Uh, hi everybody, welcome to the Irregular Search for Truth. I'm Scott. I'm Sachin. And here we go again. Uh, so, you know, I don't have anything written down. For this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got, I got. Uh, let's see, I think I got two thoughts. Okay, okay. <laughs> All of two. Let's see how far we can do go with that. All right. So, uh, uh, well, I guess it's been a little while since we did our last podcast. Uh, so, um, uh, one of the things that I did recently was I went camping, and uh, and I went fishing. Fishing? Yes. Whoa. Yeah, well, I, I'm not a fisherman. I've never been fishing. Well, I don't know if you're missing much. It's, <laughs> it's I mean, I guess, I guess here's the thing. It would have been really exciting if I had caught something. As it was, it was not bad. It was kind of chill. It was really mellow. I got out there and I sort of had. I was at this lake uh, up at like ten thousand feet in the mountains. It was pretty high, uh, and there was, you know, I I started out sort of in an isolated point of rock, and uh, and you know just sort of trying to cast the thing out there. But it was pretty embarrassing because I'm really bad at casting, you know. And so like, this is like fly fishing. Or no, well, it's just regular bait. Fishing, okay, but, but you have you, to throw it into the water. Yeah, you got to throw it, and you got—it's a lake, so you want to try and get it out there. And uh, and the thing was that, like on the first like three t- tries, like the little the line got all tangled up at the bottom, and so then you have to like take it apart and like unwind it again, and then wind it back up, and so it was that was just annoying. And then when I finally do get it out there, it's like. I'm like, and it goes, and I'm like, where is it going? And I hear this like plunk, and it's about eight feet away. You know, I'm like, what? I just hear it for like three seconds, four seconds. No, like, even when you did it, it was a very satisfying cast. I was like, you know, like even your impersonation of it right. was oh, very well, good. Right. Oh, you know, thank you. That I was trying to build up suspense. Sounded like it like, went really wow. far. <laughs> but no, plunk, bloop. There it is. I could even like see the bait, you know, right in front of me, and so. I, you know, but I stuck with it. I was I was probably out there for a few hours, and uh, and you know my my best casts got twenty feet away from me or something like that, That's which good. is That's which good. was, yeah, but it was really weak in comparison to the uh, pair oh, of eight year olds <laughs> who came from like twenty feet up uh, up the shore from me, and they were like pulling in like five fish each. Oh, they so they were catching. They stuff. were catching stuff. So I was I was just standing around. So there was actually a correlation between your strength of casting and fish catching. Well, I think so because they got a little. I mean, it also maybe that they just had a better spot than I did, you know. But really? but I think they also. Well, I think they also got you know a slightly further cast than I did. Yeah, so, I think the spot thing is a little. Uh, <laughs> no, I think the spot. It, you know, it was kind of key because their grandpa came around the other side of me hmm. and he was casting far too he was right. good you know but he wasn't catching anything hmm. and so i was surrounded by this family of people fishing and the little kids were just scoring fish after fish i see that's yeah, interesting know. but anyway so you didn't get a spot at beginner's luck or whatever you always hear about the first people go fishing for the first time catching like this huge fish or whatever I had I had beginners incompetence. Right. It was. Uh, I take it it wasn't your real or your your. No, no, it was or... all borrowed, oh. borrowed stuff. But uh, it was. Uh, it's funny how annoying. Like it looks sort of easy, 
uh, if you see a picture of it or whatever, but how right. annoying fishing line is. Like, first of all, you have to tie the little knot to, like, get the, you know, the hook piece on there and stuff like that. And, uh, and then, you know, it just tangles itself so easily, especially when you have this spinning reel, you know. You throw that thing and suddenly all this line comes out. And then that line, it doesn't go taut necessarily. It's just sort of in these little twirly loops, uh, like an extended slinky. And that just wraps all around your little reel device, and it's just a disaster. Anyway, fishing. It's wow. a lot of fun. I'm going to try it again someday. Sounds like a ringing endorsement. It was pretty cool. It cost 13 bucks for a license. Oh, um, right, right, right. It's by a license. Was it a one-day license or like a year license? That's a one-day license. You can also get a two-day license for like two bu- twenty bucks or something. Like oh, that. okay. You know, save, buy in bulk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was my first point. That reminds me of when I like whenever I go um, snowboarding, mm-hmm. and there's always or skiing. Like actually, it's more so when I'm skiing, but like. Uh, You'll see these little kids, and I'm like terrible at skiing and snowboarding. I like I go like maybe once a year, mm-hmm. and if I go, you know, I'll go up there, and then the first day, I think I told this, or I told a story about snowboarding last time, about our like little break between uh, the, with the emergency and the beer and stuff like that. Oh. <laughs> so, it's very, it's not very related, but it's like you go up there and you see these kids, and they're like they're shrinky dink like kids, like you know, like eight year olds, seven year olds, six year olds, and they're like they at that point they don't even give them poles. Yeah. They just yeah. like here, here are your skis, and the skis are like as long as my leg, you know, like maybe, maybe there's my like femur or whatever, you know. Yeah. And like these kids are like they're just like going down the hill, like no poles, just like do do do, turning left, turning right, doing all these crazy things. And I'm like, total like awkward, like oh it's terrible. That just reminds me of that because like those kids are totally schooling you. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's weird when you're when you're in a spot that you're so out of your element. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, like, and yeah. then and then there are these people who are just sort of in their element because their parents own a cabin or they're you know or they they always go fishing every weekend or they you know they they have season passes to the ski lift or whatever and it's just like ah I you know there is no way I will ever be a part of that world. You know, it's an interesting you know? experiment to see how people react because it's like it's very humbling, right? Because you are normally, as you get older and older, you get better and better at the things that you profess to do, like mm-hmm. what your profession is or what it is you think your profession is. Right, right. You know, and it's like every once in a while you like turn a corner and it's like, oh, I don't know how to do this. And there are people who are much better than I am. And like, how do you, like, do you get really angry or you like get indignant or it's like, oh, I guess I got to learn or you just give up. You're like, screw this. Like, <laughs> retiring or I'm like quitting or I'm going to find a new job or something like that. Well, with fishing, I thought it was fun, and I would do it again, but I'm not gonna. Uh, I don't think I'm gonna go out and become like a practiced fisherman. You know, mm. I'm not going to. I'm not going to immerse myself in that world of fishing, which is an interesting world. If you ever go into a fishing store, it's like you go in, and like there's a there's just such a wide variety of things that people think fish will bite onto and there are some some of these are really mean looking like especially for like big sport fishing yeah you can get this like foot long rubber fish oh. with a massive hook oh, sticking right, out right, of it right, you gross, know like yeah. for like marlin and stuff like that did you use live bait or did you use uh... no uh, i i had fished before once with uh live bait which was kind of interesting but uh but this i was just using like little 
I don't even know, you know, they sell these salmon eggs, they're these round red balls, and I don't even know if, like, what they're made out of. Mm. It's just, Caviar. Yeah, right. Um, but no, I don't think they're real salmon eggs. <laughs> but uh, maybe they are. Actually, you know, what's also really interesting is any store that is very specialized mm -hmm. is always like this really crazy world to go into. That's true. I mean, I think the classic best example might be a guitar store. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like the first time I went to a guitar store, it was, I mean, I don't think I was, I wasn't young. I was like maybe 25, 26, you know what I mean? And it was like going into Wayne's World. Mm -hmm. It was just that, that store in Wayne's World, I was like, Oh, this is real. This is. <laughs> I thought it was a joke. I got that they were joking. That was like not satire. That was real. <laughs> like they literally had the sign that said "Do not play these songs," you know. <laughs> and they had like the employees with the super long hair who were like rockers. They were all wearing like band T-shirts, you know, yeah. all like tatted up, you know. And then there was people just like sitting there like shredding, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it's like. Wow, and it was like really dingy, din and dark, you know, and like yeah. like random like guitar like shredding off the distance, and like in the corner there'd be a guy like slamming on some drum sets. It was really funny, yeah. you know. It's just funny, and you go in there and you ask a simple question because you don't know what you're talking about. Right, right. Like I just want to like buy um, a guitar, you know, or like maybe not even something as complicated as that. It's like I want to buy some strings. Oh, what kind? Yeah, sure, I can help you out with that. What, whatever you need. Like they start talking about. All this technical stuff, and like I, I don't really know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine a fishing store would be like that. Like, oh, what kind of line do you need? Oh, well, I need a 30-40 line with a you know <laughs> medium twist. What do you want, catgut or nylon or no? I was thinking about synthetic with a little bit of a, <laughs> I don't really know. Just, strawberry flavor. Strawberry flavor. That's right. Uh, you know. No, yeah, I hear you. Especially, yeah, the it's it's quite like that. I think anytime you have a you have a, a specialized thing. It's almost intimidating going well, it's super into one of those, even if you know? you know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's it's like you walk into the guitar store or whatever, and and the guys are. I mean, they're so involved in the guitar, you know, and like, and that's where you can really tell who's a good salesperson and who's not, because the good salesperson will totally re reach out and be welcoming to the people who don't know what they're talking about. And uh, and then the guys who were there because they their band failed and you know and well and I mean salesmanship is actually it's an interesting criteria for what a good salesperson is yeah like there's good salesperson as in like they really gave the customer what they needed mm -hmm. and then there's a good salesperson who sold them the most expensive thing that they really didn't need right and right. I think uh, there's a lot of both of those kind of people I suppose but I think yeah. there's more of the latter I think more people are trying to sell you the most expensive thing or well I don't know there there Here's an idea. How about sustainable salesmanship? I feel like that would be the first category where you you know you sell someone something that that they need and they want, and uh, and so they would you know know you and get to come back. Where you're never going to get that at you know I guess the big you know the big box sort of stores because uh, I don't know there's a high rate of turnover and and it's almost like a warehouse or whatever. But uh, but I think if you go into a place like a music store, and you had say you had two music stores you went to, and one the guy just like took advantage of the fact he didn't know anything and he sold you the most expensive thing in the store, and the other the guy took time to you know get to know what you were looking for and talked you through stuff and maybe sold you something that was more like, you know, beginner intermediate level cheaper stuff, I think you would be much more willing to go back to the second guy. 
I think you're right, but I think part of the problem also is because of like the way the marketplace is. You know, like uh, the minute you find out what you need, like maybe that guy, that second guy helps you out or whatever, and then you're like, okay, well, you know, I'm. He told you like this is what you need, like you know, you need this kind of guitar or this kind of like rod or whatever it is you need, and then you find out, or you just like you know, he goes away and you check your phone real quick that you could buy that same thing, because it's just a commodity mm-hmm. at the other store or online or any other place for much cheaper. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it's like you're gone. Because, right. I mean, and the thing is, like, there used to be all these small stores where you could buy, like, equipment of any sort, right? And then now there's, like, Amazon, and now there's, like, all these online things. And all you have to do is just go online, and you find everything you want for 20% cheaper than anything else. And salesmanship kind of goes out the window. I guess that's true. But that that is predicated on the, on the I guess, idea that, that you know what you're looking for, you know? Or you're willing to buy something without knowing it's what you want. Yeah, which I, th- I, you know, I've, I've sort of been looking at like video cameras and stuff lately, and that's sort of the situation I find myself in. I'm like, I don't really know, you know, what these are, but I know I can get them cheaper online. Yeah, you know, yeah. I but uh, do I really want to spend this much money on something I'm not really sure about? You know, but the, like what I'm saying is like you could easily go to a store, just talk to the salesman, and then leave. You know, I mean, there's the pro. I mean, he doesn't have any reason why you have to buy it there at that point. Yeah. You can get all this advice for free. Except that if all the stores go out of business, then you don't, you're just going to be left with the internet. Oh, of course. No, you're yeah. totally right. But, I mean, that doesn't really factor in anybody's. It's like price is king, right? So, I mean, like, again, we come to the tragedy of the commons. Yes. That's uh, an interesting twist, I guess, on the tragedy of the commons. The tragedy of the marketplace. <laughs> yes. Indeed. No one's no one's coined that phrase yet. No, it's the worst. I mean, because the thing is, like, people, like, salesmen are always like this. Like, I mean, car dealerships, any place, you know. And certain industries are worse than others. Like, guitar stores are really notorious for it, I think. Car salesmen are notorious, notorious for it. Like, super notorious. Uh, I don't know. Well, I'm trying to think of something else that would be really notorious for trying to sell you something. Well, like, anybody who calls you on the phone... <laughs> like you know like the minute you pick up like they have to like they have like five seconds to get your attention or you hang up yeah you know so it's like you have to like they really have to like reel you in with either like guilt like uh, indebtedness shame fear or um just interest i guess like mm-hmm. you know maybe five percent of people are interested 20 percent are scared the other 20 percent are like uh feel guilty about hanging up with this person mm-hmm. and the other, the other I don't know what how, what I'm up to now 35% <laughs> the other 100% <laughs> yeah I don't know it's really annoying yeah I don't know how to solve that I mean I think it's just like you have yeah, and the thing is that you have to be a really savvy consumer right yeah I think that's ultimately the, the solution to any of those things but it's hard to uh to be that when you're in a situation where you're like, oh, maybe I want something that I don't know a lot about. It's like you right. suddenly have to dedicate a lot of your time to educating yourself about something that you should come in with zero knowledge about. Well, have you ever been in a position where you have to kind of bargain for something or you have to, you know, just kind of like play? Because I think, okay, like in the United States, in many, many commerce situations, you just walk in, you say, how much is that? They give you a price. It's written on the thing right, yeah. and you pay that much, right? Yeah. But in the other, like, let's say 15% of the markets in the United States and 85% of the markets in the rest of the world, right, it's all there's party. no label. Yeah. And it's it's all like, oh, I see you. And I see what you're wearing. 
35. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? like, no, 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 no. Yeah. It's going to be 20. Yeah. And then you go back and forth. Right? Have you ever done that? Like, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm imagining that living in Ecuador, you probably did a little bit. Yes, even though I never lived in Ecuador. Paraguay. <laughs> I do this every time. <laughs> yeah, no, but in, in my travels in Ecuador and my, and my time living in, uh, in other parts of South America, definitely. Um, uh, yeah, I think you run into a lot more and bargaining. It's this weird sort of uh, vibe because, like, even so, my fiance and I we were looking for places to have our wedding at, you mm -hmm. know, and uh, you know, you go and you say, because the thing is, you're gonna give them all these people. Like, you go to a venue and you're like, we're gonna have this many people and this, you know, you're gonna like pay this much money for each person there, and then they're gonna cater, and then, you know, it adds up to like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, and it's like these people really want your business because that's thousands of dollars, yeah. you know, for yeah. them. And so, like, you know, they're being really friendly and really, you know, it's like, oh, what do you need? What do you need? And it's like, I get very, like, um, paranoid or, like, like you know, kind of, like, not paranoid, but I'm on my guard. Yeah. You know, like, I don't want to I don't want to give any information away that might give them an idea of how much money I have or how much money we're willing to spend. Because right. I'm always thinking in the back of my mind about the, the next, the end game where it's like we're going to have to negotiate. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, if this number is where it is, like, am I going to be in a position to knock that down? Mm-hmm. Can I, cause I'm like, can I be up front and say, look, I mean, I see your number here, but like, that's not, that's way more than we're willing to pay. <laughs> you know, but the thing is, if you give it away by being too excited or enthusiastic about it, then it's like, well, they, they know you, they've got you, they know you want it. You know, it's like, oh, I love this place, it's so perfect, I like it, so beautiful. It's like, okay, well, I don't know if I really like it. I mean, if you got five thousand on. Well, you know. I mean, yeah, but I wouldn't pull that. I would, you know, I would, I wouldn't pull that that act either i think you want to um, you know you i think you want to find a middle ground there and be like you know hey yeah this is a nice place what's what's your rate what you know and and be like i don't, I don't know about that i i guess yeah but i i totally pull the like i mean yeah i won't give away anything like i'm not a very good bargainer and i'm not exactly awesome at any of this stuff but like i definitely have it in my mind that i don't want to be too excited about it Oh yeah, because yeah. that will show that like I have no bargaining position, you know. Whereas like I could just walk away, find some other place, no big deal, you know. Right, but I mean, you could walk away from a place you're very excited about too. I mean, the power's in your hands. Oh no, yeah. and that's what I'm saying. That's why you can't give it away. You can't be like I'm excited about this place, and then you you can't walk away then because they know that you won't walk away. Why not? I mean, you could always walk away. You always have that in your back no, pocket. No, but I'm excited about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but there's plenty of wedding places out there. Oh, no, they're not. <laughs> I mean, wedding places, cars, like guitars, like chairs, whatever it is you're buying. Like You're if, saying you find the one you want. If you see the one that you want, yeah. then you have to play it cool. Mm, okay, I mean? yeah. I mean, like, Just first, like the Jets. Yeah, well, very similar, but I'm more of a shark. <laughs> Actually, here's a story. Um... We'll see if it's interesting, but basically when I want to go buy my car, mm -hmm. you know, obviously it's notorious car dealerships and all that stuff. So you have in mind that like you're going to you're going to be getting sold or something's going to be going down, you know, and I wanted to buy a used car. So I went and I bought like this Honda and I went to a Honda dealership and I knew that I wanted to buy a Honda because my car had been breaking down for a couple of years. And I was just sick of it. It was mm -hmm. an American car. It was a good car, but I was like, dude, every time it breaks down, I'm just getting a Honda. You know, I, I can't deal with this. And it would be fixed, and it would work great. I'm like, oh, my car is so great. And then it would break down, I'm like, I'm getting a Honda. And I would fix it, and then I'd be like, oh, okay, it's fine. Was this a Pontiac? It was a Pontiac. I remember yeah. that. And so finally it broke down, and I'm like, all right. Uh, well, I okay, I fixed it. And then it was like, like I spent like thousands of dollars on it. You know, maybe like 1500 to $2,000 on it. 
You know, I'm like, okay, fine. And it, you know, once a car gets past a certain age, everything just starts going. And not necessarily because it's poor workmanship, but it's like after 100,000 miles, the struts go. And after 50,000 miles, this goes. And after 75, this goes, whatever, you know? What are the struts exactly on a car? Struts are... (laughs) (laughs) This is car talk now, right? This is car talk. (laughs) Those guys are annoying, dude. They laugh so crazy. I think they're friendly people. <laughs> yeah, I think it's over the top. Like, I mean, it's straight, like they're like one like lap short. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> the only thing they need is a gong, and like it'd be complete, you know. <laughs> That's what that show is, anyway. Anyhow. So I think that they're this. You know, it's like this. Thi- I think they're kind of the same thing as um, shock absorbers. Okay. Like that kind of strut shock absorber, like. Piston so it's mechanism. Just a strut like struts on an airplane. What a strut on an airplane? <laughs> They're like things that hold the landing gear, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I might yeah. be wrong about that. I, I think it's kind of like the things like there's the axles that goes kind of like through the wheels, like uh-huh. wheel to wheel, and then I think the struts kind of come from the top. Okay. And they kind of like keep it going up and down. Shock absorbers. Shock absorbers, yeah, right. like that. I, you know, this I, is not car talk. This is we, not ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this is not car talk. We don't know what so, we are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Call in with your car questions. Yes. Should we check our email for any car questions? <laughs> Next week, I'm sure we'll have three. <laughs> but yeah, so like anyway, I replaced these things, and I mean labor and whatever. It, like you know, it was like a th- it was at least a thousand dollars, maybe two thousand dollars, and I was like, okay, fine, whatever, you know. It replaced. It got replaced, and things are fine. Okay, you know, whatever. Oh, you know, on top of that, the fuel pump broke. Mm-hmm. So that means I don't know what happens, but like the fuel, you know, obviously it's get pumped from the tank, and it wasn't doing properly, and then something shorted, and whatever. So they replaced that. And My accelerator defibrillated. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> Continue. I'm sorry. Anyway, long story short, spent thousands of dollars on it. I'm like, but fine. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. It works. And then, like, literally three days later, the battery dies. Yeah. And I'm like, what? What? So I go back. They're like, oh, your alternator's gone. I'm like, okay, I don't care. I don't even care anymore. I'm not buying. No, I'm not paying any more on this car. And the thing is, the shame is, like, the alternator's probably $250. Like, maybe. Yeah, yeah. You know? But it's like, sunken cost. So I was like, no. I'm done with this. Mm-hmm. I'm not paying any more money. So I just, like, I'm like, I'm getting rid of this car. So what'd you, how'd you get rid of it? Uh, I just donated it to some okay, you know, so charity you or whatever. A, you get a big tax write-off for that, right? Yeah, I, I mean, big, I guess. It was a couple thousand dollars. Yeah, that's pretty big. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's big enough. I'm still unemployed. <laughs> how y'all doing out there? <laughs> so, long story short, I mean, not like it's really short at this point, but I rented a car. Mm-hmm. to like drive around because I didn't have a car anymore and I went to like different dealerships or whatever actually I didn't even get to a chance to go to a different dealership I went to the first dealership the guy sold me a car like, you know. <laughs> that's some good bargaining yeah skill. I know I'm like I was rock strong with my like determination and will but <laughs> but anyway so what I did is I went to this dealership and I like I made the point of like wearing kind of like shabby clothing <laughs> I don't know did you ever see this uh, you want to be a tire kicker well yeah kind of did you ever see this episode of the Cosby show no. There was an episode of the Cosby Show where, like, well, do you know, you remember the Cosby Show? Yeah. 
Dr. Huxtable, doctor. Yeah. You know, his wife's a lawyer. Yeah. So it's like, they don't need to be bargaining for a car. They just, like, could pay whatever they wanted to. But it's right. like, nobody wants to pay that as much as they want to, right? So I go in, and I'm an engineer, so it's like, I don't want to be, you know... So I wear, like, kind of shabby clothing, and then I'm like, oh, like... I'm a student. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just moved into the area. Like I don't really know where I'm going. You know, like I'm lost. Like I was trying to give him this like, like lost kind of poor like vibe to me. You know, and he's like, oh, like you know, what are you looking for? I'm like, oh, I'm looking for something kind of cheap. You know, like a Civic. You know, whatever. What do you have? It's kind of like, oh, that's kind of expensive over here. I don't know how much you can afford over there. And I'm like, <laughs> so I was like, how much is this one? He's like, oh, it's like. 15,000, I'm like, oh, I don't know, is that, a, I'm like, you know, is that price adjustable? It's like, yeah, yeah, we can talk about it, I mean, let's go inside, I'm like, whoa, no, because once you go inside, I'm pretty sure it's over. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, it was. <laughs> so he got me to go inside, and uh, I was like, no, no, you have to, like, lower the price, lower the price. So I eventually knocked off, like, $1,600, which is, I'm probably sure it's nothing at all, you know, in right. retrospect. But I got him to knock off some money off the thing. So I think right. I got it for 13000 or something like that. All right, that's not bad. Was it used or new? It was used. Oh, it right. was used, and it only had like 30,000 miles on it or something like that. So okay. it wasn't too bad. But, uh, like, it was funny because then it got to the point where I had to fill out the, uh, the loan paperwork and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, how much do you make? Like who who's gonna co who's gonna co-write this or co-sponsor your loan or whatever? That's <laughs> when you should just be like, I'll just buy it. Here, I'll write you a check. Thirteen thousand. And they're like, oh, you know, like, do you have a check? I I didn't even bring a checkbook. I was like, just brought my credit card or whatever. Uh-huh. So like, well, and we also need somebody to like, you know, be a reference or whatever. And so I, when it came down to it, I had to put how much money I make. Uh-huh. And it was very embarrassing. I mean, I don't know if it, I. I don't know if he totally well, because was, you had lied to the man. I had lied to him. That's yes. not nice. <laughs> don't lie, people. It's bad. But what if I? You're a very bad <laughs> man. But what if I, in the context of like salesmanship? Well, then they shouldn't lie to you either. But they will. Ah, well. So you're saying that you're justified in a preemptive lie, much like a preemptive strike. It has to be. It's the place. only you're way. You're assuming that that salesman has weapons of mass deception. They do. They do. I've seen them. They have proof. I mean, like, everybody goes but to... what if you lie preemptively and buy the car and it turns out they don't have weapons of mass deception? Then I just save myself $1,300. But at the expense of the salesman's family. No, because he got... I think it's just a straight-up commission, you know? Not only that, okay, then later this woman tries to... So after you, like deal with the, the salesman some other woman in the back office tries to sell you some more stuff like oh you need to coat your car in this special coat you need to put a car alarm on it blah 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 it's like no 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 and she keeps like giving it to you like keep like oh what about this what about that so finally i'm like no i don't want this you know and she's like all right look here's the deal i have to sell so many of these a day you know like i'll cut it cut it off for you you know i'll, I'll cut off the price for you a little bit which is total lie i mean i'm pretty <laughs> sure you know but I was also being, I had also been worn down at that point. So like, you know, I gave in, but so I got, <laughs> I gave the, I mean, she, I think the initial price was like, maybe let's call it $400 and I got it for 150, whatever mm. it was. I think it was like the doorless entries, which I kind of wanted anyway. Mm. And that's part of the problem. I wanted it. You know, mm. I did actually want it, but mm. I mean, and it's like, if I had said no, I could have just gone to Circus City or some other place to have them install it later. Right. But it's like, it's already there. We're here. Let's just do this, you know, whatever. But 
you know, but you have to play this game in order to get them to come down on the price. Right. Which right. is the problem. Which mm-hmm. is the problem, right? So like my, I basically went in, tried to be all shabby, lied to him, told him I was a student, told him I didn't make very much. I you just started my job. Dirty liar. When in fact I've been working there for like six years, you know, and I was making you know enough money to pay for this car. Let's put it that way, you know. I was making tens and thousands and hundreds and thousands of dollars, you know, just like wow. I could have paid for it yesterday. No big deal. Here you go. Here's my pocket. Oh, whatever. You know how it is. <clears throat> Still unemployed over here. <laughs> no, it's not like that. Uh, but but yeah, it was, you know you have to put up this front. You have to kind of like put up this front and say, hey, look, I, I don't want to pay this much. I don't know. I feel like I feel like if you know what you want and you know how much you're willing to pay for it from the beginning, you don't need to do that. But you know, you know, because then you can be like, well, no, you're you're asking more than what I want to pay for it, so no. But there's this little you game. Can walk away. But I think there's this little. But that's game. where you have to win the game by not playing the game. Are you serious? Yeah, you don't play that game. <laughs> Scott, don't play that. Exactly. <laughs> have you ever like? Has that worked for you? In bargaining situations, yeah, but I've never bargained for anything that big. It's usually like when I'm talking about like living in South America, it's like right, you know right. a shirt. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> a hat. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I want that hat. It's worth maybe you know, it's worth ten thousand guaranias to me. Right. That's ten thousand. Well, you're a ten thousand heir. <laughs> I know. I was so rich. That's like almost two dollars. And uh and so, you know, they would be like, Well, that's twenty thousand and I'd be like, No, I'll give you ten. And they'd be like, Fifteen, I'll be like, I'll give you ten. Fourteen. I'll give you ten, and in the meantime, maybe uh, you know, uh, or maybe I would say originally I'll give you eight or something right. like that, and then I'd be willing to go up to ten. Ah, uh, but see, you were lying because originally it was worth ten to you. Well, no, I say yes, but say I said eight or whatever originally. I'm I'm rewinding the story a bit. Hmm. I think it's a little unfair. I'll give you eight. Twenty. I'll give you eight. Fourteen. <laughs> I'll give you ten. Okay, deal. Yeah, but see, you have to start. But the thing is, like, I think you got to know what you want to pay, and you got to know if you really want the thing. Right, but I mean, you if originally you, you said I will only pay eight. Right. Well, uh, no, no. You say I'll give you eight. It's an offer. Right, but it's why? Not a lie. But what is? What was it that you were only going to pay? Ten. Right. So, but yeah. you started at eight. Yeah, sure. Why not? Try and get lower than you. Because you were lying. You said I will pay. You said I will pay eight. That's an offer. You said I will. No, 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 no. (laughs) It's still true. Listen, if you're if you pay ten, you will still pay eight. That's not an untruth. (laughs) (laughs) So you're just saying, you're saying when you bargain so that you're right with yourself (laughs) and with society, make sure that you carefully word it such that you are not lying. I'm not not saying you have to carefully word it. I'm saying any offer is not a lie. It is because you say, oh, I only want to pay. No, no, no. It's saying I will pay. How about I will only pay? Well, then you should only pay eight. I mean, that's, you know, then that... But what if, like, being strongly worded gets you more more, more in return in the bargaining process? Great. See, whatever, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, I got, all right, this is one of those uh, little things. Totally, total shift of subject, unless you want to continue talking about bargaining. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll give you two minutes. 
So I was at my uh, my uh, internship, which is what unemployed people do to stay busy. Um, or, or look busy, anyway. Right, yeah. I don't actually do any work. <laughs> but uh, I was at my internship, and have you ever had these situations where, like, you're not in a position to uh, to you know correct something, but you just see how inane a situation is? I think that's the human condition. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a prime example of humanity then. I uh, I get an email saying an email from a lady. A saying, lady. yes, from a lady who, who works for the organization uh, that I am interning for. It says, will you print this document out and mail it, the hard copy, to this other lady? So already we've got three parties. And, and the reason is this other lady has to translate the document, okay? Okay. So we've got uh, the source lady, me, and the translator. Um, Okay, I guess I guess uh, the other you know the source lady doesn't want to print it because she's in Mexico, and so it would cost more to mail it than for me to print it here in California and mail it to another place in California. Um, I'm like, all right, all right, I guess I can do that. So I print out the whole thing. Then I realize she hasn't sent me the address. So I you know I'm like, uh, and she's like, oh oh, in the email she's like, I'll confirm the address for you, or better yet, why don't you just call the person. And, and get the address. So I call and there's no answer. I leave a message, hey, can you give me your address, whatever. And the email to me said, okay, this is important, get it done today. Right. And, uh, and so I, you know, I call, nothing, uh, don't get it. I write back to the source lady, hey, you know, I didn't get, do you have her address? Because I didn't get through. She writes me back like, uh, no, I sent her an email though. <laughs> and, so, uh, and so maybe we'll get her address. And uh, and finally, it turns out like I'm not gonna be there tomorrow because I'm only a lowly intern. I only work a couple of days a week. Um, but uh, but I leave this hard copy with a fourth party. <laughs> the first party will find the address, email it to the fourth party. The fourth party will then send it back to the second party. This is me being the third party who's now done the printing and the handoff. Now, once it appeared that the, the second party has an email address, why didn't the first party just email the document to her rather than emailing it to me to print out and mail to her? That's a good point. I mean, maybe it had to be officially in hard copy or something like there that. There are four people involved in this. <laughs> but two of them are unpaid. They're, well, no, I think, I think three, are, three are paid. Oh, okay. Yeah. Only you are unpaid. I'm I'm the only one who's unpaid, but I'm the one who sees the inanity of it all. <laughs> well, I think they all see. I think they probably all see it. But I think there's like this uh, this strange trade-off between uh, effort and actual money spent. Hmm. It's like the lengths people will go to not spend money or to like you know it's like time is money. Yes. And you know it's you could actually calculate how much your time is worth based on how much you're saving. <laughs> I can't see them saving money on this because there's been so much back and forth email of just wasted time. Right. And now a third person is a fourth person is involved and she's paid, you know, and uh, and it's just like, what a, I don't know, what a mess. You know, email is also a very funny thing because like, yeah, it's almost like this cost where you don't see it. You don't see how much email costs you because it costs you time to read it. Yeah, totally. And if you're working. It costs like, you time to write it. 
That true. That too. And like, if you work eight to five and you get like you know a hundred emails a day, and um, let's just say it takes twenty five or thirty seconds to read an email, read or process an email, then uh, did I say a hundred emails? Yeah. <laughs> then that would be thirty minutes of your day. Thirty no, seconds wait, times wait, 100 30. would be three thousand seconds, which would be how many? Almost an hour. Oh, uh, thirty-six hundred seconds in an hour. So like, okay. I don't know what I don't know. I should have picked better numbers. Okay. Be... I've lost my esteem on this. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, reading and processing email actually does take time because you are paid a certain amount of you know money per hour, yeah. and it takes time. And although each email, it's like, oh, just five seconds here, or like 20 seconds here, copy this, forward here, no big deal. Mm -hmm. But like, if you actually had to spend money or expense it, or like go drop from petty cash and give it to somebody, uh -huh. you'd be like, oh no, I can't do that. Because that's just a waste of money. Or like to have to like get money to post it from Mexico to send it here versus like the whatever it is, 45 cents it is now to mail from well, your it's office. a big document. I don't know what it is. It's probably like 100 pages. So oh, I mean, even more than probably, yeah, right? So maybe it'll end up being like $2, whereas yeah. in Mexico it might be $10 or something yeah. like that. You know, yeah. So it's like you've just saved $8 of actual money right. versus the hidden, already salaried money of these people and yeah. your non-money time. Yeah. I'm going to start charging. <laughs> uh, well. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of situations like that, right? I mean, that's pretty much every organization is like, why don't we just do it this way? Yeah, I don't know. I there's it, it's weird the the insight that working in this office has provided me with. There's just a lot of little things that, and I'm not privy to much at all, but so much seems sort of like inefficient, and yet everyone in the office seems very directed and like you know, let's do this efficient whatever. I almost feel like, uh, especially, I mean, not especially, but maybe in the world of nonprofit, or, mm -hmm. but in, 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 you know, most worlds anyway, like a lot of people, there is inefficiency intentionally so that everybody has a job to do, mm -hmm. you know, because otherwise you might not have a job or an internship even. Like if everything was done super efficient, it's like, yeah, we actually don't need any help. You know, it's like, we've got it all good. Or mm -hmm. like there's people who are beginners or interns who like, just let's just give them some scut work. Yeah, and he'll like ask a bunch of questions because like it's work I could do in 20 minutes, or he could do it for five hours. Mm. You know, <laughs> and, and it's like, thanks. That's uh, that's a real compliment to my workability. Right I'm just assuming that we're talking about real tasks and not mm. mailing letters from Mexico. Mm. But mm. I mean, let, let's say there was some research project or you know some report that you needed to write, whatever it is that you do, or whatever it is an intern might be doing. Like I'm sure like somebody with experience could do it in like you know a matter of days. Whereas it might take you a week to kind of figure it out, ask the right questions, get the experience, but it's like, it's in the interest of the organization to have you just kind of waste time and get the you get the handle of it and get mm -hmm. kind of the, the lay of the land in terms of getting process and getting stuff done in the office. So that's just my counterpoint on wasting time. <laughs> You're saying that wasting time is built into certain organizations. I think so. I think it's so. Non-profit organizations. Well, I'm I, I I'm I'm just thinking about experience in nonprofit, and mm. I think in certain experiences, yes, like in nonprofit, I could just do this, or I could involve these people, and I'll make them feel much better about themselves. Okay. You know, it's mm. like, oh, I have ten volunteers, and they've yeah. all come out from the community. Let's have them like work here. You know, and they feel all great. It's like, okay, go dig this hole, or go like measure this thing, or go paint this wall or whatever it is you do whereas I could probably do it myself in two hours you're right 
No, I, th- I think I think you're onto something because I've noticed there are times in you know in in that realm when I am w- sort of like my God, if I were in charge, I would fire this person. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you got to realize though that that they're all there because they want to be working there for the most part, you know. Right, and, right, right. And uh, and that is not how you're going. I mean, that might be a good business manager sort of thing, like you know, get toss the people who don't do the job well. It's like you get a lot of volunteers and stuff like that, and just because you can do the job better than they could or, or someone else could, you know, it doesn't mean you don't want that person there working. And it's amazing. I mean, this actually translates, in my opinion, to a lot of fields. You know, like my first job was an internship, and I remember thinking, this is really hard, and yet, like, this is probably something somebody could do in, like, five days, you know, who was mm-hmm. working here, you know? And looking back, it was. Like, yeah. I, it was so easy what I did, you know? But it took me, like, a month. Uh-huh. But it's just because I didn't know anything. I didn't know how certain things worked, who talked to what, how this went, how that went. You know, it just took me a long time to kind of get up to speed on that stuff. And that's in engineering. And then, like, I know even lawyers, like, you know, they have summer internships. And, in the, I mean, they're probably just annoying to people. Like, you know, they're asking all these questions, like, all the law. You don't know the law. You don't know how the process works. You don't know how to write these briefs. It's like, but just go ahead and do it anyway. Do this, like, research project or whatever. And, like, doctors, you know, in residents, you know, <laughs> so people. Just do that surgery. Well, yeah, I, you I, don't know what you're doing, but just get out. You gotta get your hands dirty, bloody. And not quite like that, but like probably just like collecting a sample, like or you know, like mm-hmm. drawing blood, or even just like oh, just prepare like you know the the Stick site. this catheter in there. Well, maybe yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> maybe something even as simple as like you know, just take this alcohol and uh, sanitize this wound or something like that. Right. You know, whereas like I don't have to waste my time with it, and it might take you ten minutes, but that's ten minutes. I'm not I'm not wasting my time on something. True. Yeah. True. So it's interesting that way. I think everything kind of, it's built into the system where people just, eh, inefficiencies, but it's fine. As long as we don't. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's something to think about. I think maybe we'll think about inefficiencies for next time. How about that? Yeah. Should we, should we cut it off here? Sure. All sure. right. This has been the Irregular Search for Truth, episode 10. 10. Woo. <laughs>